Hello, you are welcome to the Apostle Frederick Kaluluma podcast channel for yet another powerful, sobering, and inspiring word from God. Grab your Bibles, pens, and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick Kaluluma from the City of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed. And so, do I have permission to just be real? You're sure? Okay. And so we've been looking at zeal for life. Say, I'm zealous about life. Say, my zeal knows no bounds. Say one more time. My zeal knows no bounds. Say, I'm excited about today. I'm excited about tomorrow. And I refuse to carry any hurt from yesterday. So now, let's, let, let's continue. I want you to say it again. Say, I have zeal for life. I love being alive. My life is fruitful. I don't carry any bitterness. I don't carry hurt. Say, my life is fruitful. Okay. Uh, Tim, give me advice. Should I switch? Am I free to? As long as you give me very good volume, I don't want to shout. We've been given several reasons why people may lose their zeal. And perhaps, let me read through some of the ones we gave earlier before I go to today's. Some of the signs that a person is losing their zeal, um, they stop dreaming. They just start existing, you know? Like whatever happens, happens. What do they call that? Que sera, sera? Whatever will be, will be. And sometimes you get more religious with it, you know, like if it's God's will. You know, at times that, that, that term is used very um, loosely. Another reason is another sign people start having suicidal thoughts. Or they start having thoughts of death. It's one thing to have suicidal thoughts, it's another thing to have ah, uh, can't, I just, can't it just all end? Another one is they stop doing. They stop being practical. You find the last time someone ever sent out their CV was three years ago. Another one is they isolate from people. Then we look at what those were some of the signs. So we looked at some of the causes. And one of the causes we observed was 
the obsession with the things of the world. The obsessions with the things of the world. And then we also looked at the offense of comparison. Comparing yourself to other people in a negative way. And we looked at the perception that you're doing this alone. And so today, let's start from another one. Losing someone dear to you. Losing someone dear to you. Now, if you're to follow a bit of psychology, they will tell you that people go through certain phases when they lose someone. They will tell you that first is, I can't remember it off the top of my head, but I think they will tell you first is denial, right? Then what? Then there's something, then acceptance eventually. Okay, eventually it goes from denial to acceptance, right? I've, I've forgotten the rest which are in between. At some point, I think there's anger and all that. Now, what's interesting about that is it doesn't seem to always follow that scale. It seems like you can go from denial to accepting to denying again. It doesn't seem, to, it's like it's not as straightforward as people make it look. Because according to the scriptures, have you ever seen where it says death, death weighs your sting? Meaning there is something about it, it's got a sting to it, it's got a sting. And that's why you can find here is a 60 year old and they've lost someone dear to them. But it still bothers them. As much as it bothers a 14-year-old. Because it's got a sting to it. And as I'm studying here, there are some who may have lost their zeal for life because they lost someone. Others may never even have gotten an opportunity to interact with someone. There are others who may be listening to me who have never in their life known what it means to have mother, father. Never. Their relationship with one of their parents has been through photos. Others, the parent could be alive, but the relationship is non-existent. Non-existent. That can have an effect on someone's zeal. Because as human beings, we have a tendency to not just want to live for ourselves, but want to live for our loved ones. That's one tendency we have. I can show you an example. I want you to see the book of 2 Samuel, chapter number 12. And I, I want us to read an account. This was a time when David and Bathsheba bore a child. And then God took away that child. But David had done something interesting and I think there's a lot that we can see from that. So I want us to see from verse 16 2 Samuel chapter number 12 from verse 16 
David therefore pleaded with God for the child, and David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. So the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat food with them. Then on the seventh day, it came to pass that the child died. And the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. Now, and the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, indeed, while the child was alive, we spoke to him and he would not heed our voice. How can we tell him that the child is dead? He may do some harm. Now, before we get to the next verse, I want us to be able to understand something here. The reason why they were afraid to tell David is because they knew that the moment they told him, there was a high chance he was going to lose his zeal for life. Isn't that the argument they made there? They said, look, this person was sick, and as they were sick, David couldn't do anything, couldn't eat, couldn't do any of those things. Now that they've died, what can he just do harm? I, I want to show you another account. Um, Genesis chapter number 37. Genesis 37. And I want us to see from verse 32. You'll get it soon. You know, these are parts which Not everyone may have experienced it. But for the sake of that one, better we talk about it. Genesis 37, verse 32. Do you remember when Joseph's brothers betrayed him? The Bible says, Then they sent the tunic of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, We have found this. Do you know whether this is your son's tunic or not? Next verse. And he recognized it and said, it's my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him without doubt. Joseph is torn into pieces. So at this point, Jacob is believing that Joseph is dead. Look at the very next verse. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put a sackcloth on his waist, and mourned for his son Many days. Hold on there. That was not the problem. The problem was not his mourning for his son many days. The Bible in Ecclesiastes does tell us it's okay because there's a time where people will weep. There's a time where people will smile. Here is where the problem came in. The next verse. And all his sons and his daughters arose to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. That's a problem. That's a problem. You'll see why. For he said, and this is what he said. This is another problem. I shall go down into the grave to my son in mourning. In short, Jacob made a decision that come what may, he wasn't going to accept any comfort because there's a role people can play in comforting you. And then the second decision he made is he will go to the grave mourning. 
In short, he said, I'll never be happy. Do you know what happened that day? Jacob died inside. And do you know that when he died inside, if the blessing became difficult to manifest, why do I say so? Abraham was blessed during a famine. Abraham survived. Not just survived, he thrived. Isaac was blessed. During the famine, Isaac even wealthy. Isaac became wealthy in the famine. Jacob, a famine hit. They were about to die. They had to beg from pagans. God just wouldn't allow his glory. It's just that God wouldn't allow uh, his glory to be mocked. So he made sure there was still an Israelite on the throne. Otherwise, they were going to beg from pagans. But I want you to observe something the day Jacob realized that Joseph was alive. I want you to see it in verse 27. When he realized Joseph is alive. Verse 27. Oh, I think I was supposed to give you another chapter. Chapter 45, verse 27. Now, it's interesting that from the moment that happened, the Bible stops referring to Jacob by his spiritual name, which was Israel. It starts referring to him as Jacob. Then it says, But when they told him all the words which Joseph had said, and when he saw the carts which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. You only revive what's dead. But I hope you know you only revive what's dead. Yeah, That's why as a believer, it should amaze you if you always need revival. For a believer, it's supposed to be times of refreshment. What we revive is a city and all those things. It should amaze you. Because you revive what's dead. So it says, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. Look at the next verse. Is the next verse the next chapter? And then Israel said. Then Israel said, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go and see him. Next verse. Is the next verse the next? Even if it's the next chapter, it's okay. Just give me the next. I want us to see something. So he took his journey and offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. His spiritual life gets back in order. Next verse. And God spoke to Israel. We don't know how many years it had been. But suddenly when his spirit revived, he was able to even hear divine counsel. And divine direction. Now, there is no mathematical formula. There is, there is no formula I can give. Because you know, each human being is different. There is no formula I can give that can perfectly provide all the rest that you need. But here's what I'm here's what I'm gonna tell you. You may have grown up with 
maybe an absent father or an absent mother due to various reasons. Some of them their fault, some of them may not be their fault. You may have experienced a loss of some. And you may be hurting as we speak. But one thing I'll tell you is Jesus said, Blessed are those who mourn, they shall be comforted. There is a divine ministry of comfort from the Lord Jesus. There is a divine ministry of comfort for the Lord Je- from the Lord Jesus. And the Bible tells us that we've got a high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the righteous. And we are told that this high priest, he sympathizes with us in areas of weakness. He sympathizes with us. I would advise, let's yield our hearts to the high priest. Let's yield them. I can go into further detail because these are all different categories. But one of the things I'll tell you is make a bold decision that, they are certain, that, that you've refused to carry bitterness. Make that bold decision. Don't get angry at God. You need him. You need him even in eternity. <laughs> There's no use. If you've had somebody absent in your life who was supposed to be present, don't invest your energy in hating them. Don't invest your energy in trying to prove to them. I'll tell you why you shouldn't. They may, there's a very high chance they might still never change. Some may never change. Listen, let's face reality. There are some bad fathers out there. Let's be honest. There are some bad parents. They're there. They're real. And some might not change. Some might not change. But you know what can change? The disposition of your heart. Praise God. Am I too real? Because you're, you're so quiet. Somebody had to say it. Eh? Somebody had to say it. And you can still live a fulfilled life. And one of the worst things you can do, especially if you've had somebody absent, let me tell you one of the worst things you can do. One of the worst things you can do is try to live your life trying to prove them wrong. Because the day you do, you realize you're not satisfied and you wasted an entire 50 years trying to prove one person wrong. Don't do that. Praise God. And here's another thing I must mention. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is our ever-present help in times of need. He doesn't mind if you need him every day. The biggest thing I'm calling for is for you to make a decision. Even if you still experience the hurt daily, he's ready to come forth to you daily until you come to a place. Until you come to a place. So there's nothing wrong with saying, Lord, this is my decision. I'm trying, but this thing is still hurting me. Help me. There's really nothing wrong with that. God expects you to be free with him. Praise God. Say, I have zeal for life. I have zeal for life. And 
I'm going to say a few things in my next statements. Hey, are you being blessed though? Now, somebody may be saying, Apostle Frederick, what if I said some very negative words? What if I said some very wrong things? I'll show you the solution to that. Because some of us have really trapped ourselves by our words. We've trapped ourselves by our words. We've trapped ourselves. And by the way, not the first one. Do you remember when the Apostle Paul wrote about the rapture of the church in Thessalonians? You know, he wrote it to comfort them because they were having difficulties. So you're not the first one. Praise God. You're not the first one. They had difficulties as spiritual as they were. Praise God. Can I give another reason why people lose their zeal? People lose their zeal when they feel stagnant in life. Nothing's moving. I try this, it's not working. I try that, it's not working. I take one step forward, I take three steps back. The others who are genuinely experiencing such a conundrum, and of course there are a few others who it's in their head, but yeah, there are others who are genuinely experiencing such a conundrum. No, what I'm saying, there are others who it's in their head. <laughs> Someone who can pass that. My life is not moving forward. I have four boyfriends and I don't know which one to choose. Get serious. <laughs> do you know what I usually answer that? You know what my answer usually is to that? I said, you have to choose yourself. Like, choose yourself. Like, choose you. So there's that aspect of feeling stagnant in life. And can I tell you how to begin to know that that's affecting you? When we call for testimonies. And then there's that one person who's always coming to testify. Them things are always moving. And their testimonies are so funny. They'll even, they'll even include words that bother you. They'll come and say, You know, the way this thing happened, yeah, I didn't even pray. <laughs> now, at that point, you're on day 28 <laughs> of your fast know what to do. God keeps spoiling me. I think I'm God's princess. As we stands, I've got five job offers. I didn't apply for any of them. Now, you're from putting in 45 application letters. As in, when you go to type on Microsoft Word, it even automatically types for you regards. <laughs> what are the common words? Attached a and my regards. <laughs> like you've become an expert. You can coach others in that field. <laughs> I don't know if you're getting my point. Like, why are you just so stagnant? You're on the same salary grade for a long period of time. And those you started with have been upgraded. And, you know, this one gets along, especially with the offense of comparison. Those you are in the same class with, you find they're doing well. And maybe for you, it's just not going forward. Maybe you launched out uh, a business or something, and it's just not working out. Or maybe the same story seems to be happening. Just when you thought, this is the one 
we'll get married, something fun happens. And then everyone on your how that same day, that's the day it feels like everyone on social media is getting engaged. Like the very day just didn't work out. Everyone, as in, even the one you never rated highly. That one, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Praise God. Now, that point when a person feels stagnant, and you know, this thing is funny. You know, you can feel stagnant in grade 11. Just doesn't feel like life will ever work out because, you know, you got 54% in a paper. <laughs> or ask these guys, has uh, any of you ever walked around maybe Onza, CBU, Nipa, any of these universities during exam period? Have you ever seen how people are so recipient to the gospel in exam period? How many of you ever seen the hopelessness on some people's faces? Like, I'm telling you, you'd be amazed. So, there's a place where one can feel stagnant, feel stuck. Don't know what to do next. Don't know where to go next. Others, it may reach a point where they don't know where their next meal is coming from. Others don't know where next month's rent is coming from. And then when you come to church, the pastor is saying, you shout glory. <laughs> shout. Just learn to shout it. But there's that aspect. And you know, um, you notice that others it may be a delayed prophecy. All the prophetic words keep pointing very differently from where your life seems to be pointing. Where if somebody has a prophetic word for you, it doesn't excite you anymore. Never come to that place. Where you, there's no word you've not heard. The trouble sometimes is others have listened to so many words. I'm telling you, if you've been in these circles, there's no word you've not heard. You find, you're, in the, you, you're not in the fivefold. You're the fivefold. <laughs> you've been an apostle somewhere, an evangelist. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> there is no word you've not received. There is no manner of word. You've been with a white man before. Come on, ladies, you know what I'm talking about. These are some of the words you give each other in those. <laughs> you, I saw, you're marrying a white man. <laughs> hey, your friend. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> hey, friend, some words give them if you're 100% sure it's a lot. Because you can you can influence decision from that point on. <laughs> now, I want, I, want, I want to show you somebody who noticed that they were stuck. Daniel chapter 9 and verse 2. For this I praise your name. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. So in short, Jeremiah had specifically prophesied how long it would take for them to come out. 
Next verse. Then I set my face towards the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. When Daniel noticed delay, when Daniel noticed stagnance, he went into prayer. He went into prayer. The trouble comes in when we see God as the problem and yet he's the solution. Because it's very difficult to pray to a God who you are seeing as the problem. What am I trying to say? One of the biggest battles is preserving your faith. It's preserving your faith. And that's why there are some deliberate things you must still do. Listen to me. Even if you lost someone before, go look for somebody who's not well to pray for them. What are you doing? You're preserving your faith in the healing power of God. I'm telling you. Learn to preserve your faith. Preserve it. Preserve it. I've said to the Lord that I want that when I stand before him, even if I do not get to talk about a million miracles which he performed through my hands, I would rather I talk about a million times I demonstrated faith. Where I believed with someone when no one else did. Where I believed it could happen. I remember somebody coming to my office and, and telling me, but no other option. When they told me their story, you know when people come and they tell you their story, sometimes you can think, okay, have you tried this? Have you tried this? Have you tried this? As in, there were no options. The only option was this one needed a miracle from God. That's the only option. There were, as in, there was nothing else. There was no logical way we could sort out that matter. So, I know I thought in my heart, like, Ish, God, all this person has is you. Then I heard the Lord say, who says they are disadvantaged? Who says it's a disadvantage if all you have is God? So what I'm saying is, I'll show you later on when we go to one of the solutions. But learn to preserve your faith. It's, you need it. Preserve it. Preserve it. Don't stop believing. Remember David said, I would have lost heart unless I believed. I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Don't stop believing that it's God who promotes. The Bible says promotion comes not from the east nor from the west, but from God. It says he brings down one and puts up another. Don't stop believing that he's the God who can lift you. Don't stop believing that he's the God of situational miracles. The one who can change situations to favor you. Don't forget he's the God who can change circumstances. He can manipulate nature for your sake. Don't forget that he can turn the hearts of men for your sake. The Bible says the heart of a king is in the hands of the Lord. And he can swing it whichever way he wishes. Don't forget that. And that's why you find... How many of you have noticed... Have you ever had some people saying... When people just get saved, they seem to have the most miracles. Have you ever heard of those things? And yet I believe those who have been saved more have got the potential for even higher quality ones. Do you know what happens like that with those who've just gotten saved? Their faith is so pure. It's not, it's, it, it, their faith is unrealistic. 
You've not brought yourself back down to earth. That's, that's, some, that's something I've noticed. I've done the healing campaign. Sometimes the hardest, I'm saying sometimes, the hardest people to minister to, usually, are those who've been believers for a long time. You know why? Because their, their mind is asking them, but why? But I prayed, but I fasted. I followed the principles. Why is this happening? And because the mind focuses a lot on the why, sometimes their faith is affected. And their faith to receive, because there's faith to give and there's faith to receive. There are some whom their faith to give is still intact. That's why they minister to people and things happen. But their faith to receive, that needs to be preserved. It needs to be preserved. I remember one time, um, I was having some struggles with my health. Now, you may not know it, it got so bad, I remember there's a WIM conference. I had no voice, and I was fasting, and they filled me with gingers and lemons, and I literally had no voice. I, I remember I went up to the front. What song did I sing? Um, forever you will be. The way my voice came out, still one of my best ministrations. I think we also sang, for you are glorious. And that day we saw so many miracles. We saw the blind seeing. We saw so many miracles. The moment the meeting was done, oh my God. I remember going to bed and I'm like, ah, I had never experienced such pain. Everyone is testifying except me. And then some, of, some, some people here were, had interacted with me. It kept getting worse. Thoughts, and my mind thinks, thoughts started coming saying, would you ever be okay? And the thing is, it was affecting an area of my body that I use the most. So I was wondering if I would ever enjoy preaching. Because before preaching, I would have to like prepare myself mentally because of how much it would hurt when I'm done. Praise God. Do you know how it came to an end? I decided to watch my own videos. I'm telling you. I remember I sat down. Watching. And I was looking at that guy ministering to people. I was looking at the boldness. The faith. I'm thinking, who is that guy? No, I'm, I'm being very honest. Because when the anointing comes on you, you become another person. And I was wondering... What guts? Why does it get the guts to do that in front of all those people? I was watching, and then I decided to hear that same guy preaching. And as he was preaching, I was saying, Amen. I'm serious. Afterwards, I got my own book, Jesus the Healer, and read it. I read it. Then I went to Isaiah 53 by his stripes. I, 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 I forced myself to be shocked. I read it by his stripes. Hey! I said, I'll force myself to enjoy this word. It didn't happen immediately, but I said doing that every day. Keep my dosage. Praise God. Yay. Hallelujah. So what am I saying? You have to learn to preserve your faith for receiving. Otherwise, you can become a giver. But who's not learned to receive from the Lord? That's why you find somebody can easily minister healing to others, but they are struggling themselves. You have to learn 
to preserve that faith. By the way, can I tell you one quick way to kill that faith? The blame game. Very easy way. Who sinned so that this man, was it his father, was it him? Jesus said, nonsense, you're thinking of the wrong thing. Let's just focus on the glory of God, which is going to heal this man. Focusing on the wrong thing. Praise God. I said, praise God. Someone once came to me and said, Pastor, what about that person? There's that person I know. They really believed that um, maybe it didn't really work out. You know what I told them? I said, that person is a hero. They are one of the reasons people like us will thrive. Because they did something many didn't. When everything was hard, they believed. And when they go in heaven, they will not say, oh, it didn't work. No, they'll, they'll, clap, at, they'll clap for them for believing. Even in the most hard circumstances. Preserve your faith. Shake yourself and say, I will preserve my faith. Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith? David said, I would have lost heart unless I believed. So preserve that. And he said, in the land of the living. Let me give you a third one quickly. Because I need to be, I need to be wrapping up. And there's one solution I really wanted to give you today. I might not finish, but uh, Pastor Cho will finish next week. Because apparently they don't want me to preach next week. So, the third one is an attack from Satan. Let me show you something about the way Satan attacks. How many of you remember Luke 4? Is it Luke 3 or 4? When Satan attacked Jesus, you remember? What do you remember? Since you lifted your hand. <laughs> Praise God. It is well. You know, I, I went to preach somewhere. I think it was Kitway. And you know these questions that we ask for. How many of you know what this, this, this is? And someone lifted their hand, stood up, and began to say, yes, uh, what the? <laughs> I said, ah. it is well. <laughs> okay. I want you to observe something from Luke's account of the temptation of Jesus. Are you enjoying this? Are you finding it practical? I want you to see verse 13. I'll put you in front of me. Luke 4, verse 13. And then I wonder, Lord, where do you bring them from? Luke 4, verse 13. When the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. So, Satan has. I don't know if you know that Satan still has a legal right to tempt. He doesn't have a legal right to bring any sickness on you. He doesn't have a legal right to possess you. But he's got a legal right to tempt. As long as you're on earth. 
stop him from tempting. He will tempt. Because he believes this earth is his. Now, the strength of Jesus was his ability to recognize the form the devil would come in. Now, for Luke 4, we are not told what form he came in. But the trouble is many people think Satan will always come like, it will be like, you know, like the undertaker. Like, dong. <laughs> yeah. If you're wondering how I know the undertaker, I was doing a research. <laughs> Praise God. I want you to see this. Uh, look. I want you to see, let's use Matthew. Matthew 16. I want us to see verse 20. Do, 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 do. Now, Jesus commanded his disciples that they should not tell anyone that he was Jesus the Christ. Uh-huh. Let's go. From that time, give me the next verse. I, I just want to be a bit quicker. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. Now, for Peter, Satan took advantage of his emotional attachment towards Jesus. Jesus was telling them that, oh, for God's purpose to be fulfilled, I'm going to have to suffer. Peter takes him aside. The one thing I love about Peter, he showed proper ethics. If you've got a different view with your leader, take them aside. Don't address them in front of everyone. Usually, they will defend their territory. So Peter takes him aside. says, far be it from you. And what did Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but mindful of the things of man. So meaning, Satan attack your destiny through people. He can through people. And it's not like they'll be coming with a mindset of hating you. That's why you shouldn't hate them. Jesus still hated Peter in charge of everyone. But sometimes, Satan can take advantage of soulish realm. And there are others who are just bad. There are others. No, I'm telling you. Here you are. Someone comes and asks, Ah, that's what you're studying. Yeah, you'll never get a job. What's that? You applied to that firm. Ah, those they don't employ. What are they doing? They're attacking your zeal. They're attacking your zeal. Don't be that person. Don't be that person. That's why you must be careful which circle you have. Maybe that's why people tell, tell each other that when you want to do something, don't tell others. I wonder what friends they have. Who anything they say, they're attacked. Imagine if you can build a friendship base. When you say, I'm planning this big project. They say, we are believing with you. 
Right? They say, okay, if there's anyone who can do it, it's you. I, I don't know if you're getting my point. I remember this week, I, I had a call uh, with Daniel. And we were talking about our plans for the next year. I'll not forget his words. He was like, if it's you, you are big. The things I'm expecting. And, 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 was, and those are the kind of conversations we have. Like, no, I, I think we're discussing something like, no, the grace on our lives is big for that number. Why did we target ABCD? That was, that was a discussion. Praise God. Recognize when Satan attacks you through a person. Who's ever been attacked by Satan through a person? Well, you can tell this one was sent as a thought. This one just came to discourage me. I'm telling you. And that's why if you're, if you're going to be a person of destiny, sometimes you have to be deaf. Imagine if I listened to those who discouraged me over City of the Lord Church. Where would you be? Where would you be? Do you know how many words of discouragement I've received? I've been told I just have young people. Doesn't God love those same young people? Now who are you to preach to them? Somebody, somebody once came to me and told me, I can't listen to you preach because you're young. I said, there are a lot of old preachers, you don't listen to them. Clearly the problem is you. <laughs> I don't know if you're getting my point. <laughs> Praise God. Praise the Lord. I'm just saying, don't permit... No one can discourage you without your permission. Don't permit anyone to. Sometimes just tell them to hold it. There are some people you should even just delete their numbers if, if everything they ever post discourages you. Or mute them. You know you can mute a person's statuses. You know on Facebook you can unfollow someone. Where you don't see what they post but they see yours. <laughs> no, I'm... Uh, for me that's something that I've trained myself. Just avoiding discouragement from people. Some of the people who discourage you actually really care about you. They just don't understand. There are some who don't understand grace. Honestly, some don't understand grace. There are some who may not understand why you've made certain decisions that you've made, especially if they're not very prayerful. Be very careful with discouragement. Don't allow anyone to say you're going nowhere. Uh, there are times you say, I reject. I reject those words. Because the Bible says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises in judgment against you, you shall refute. Which brings me to the one solution I really wanted to discuss today. The other one will be discussed by whoever I assign. Because the solutions that we'll talk about are we talked about divine partnerships, right? But we might touch a bit more on that. Form divine partnerships. Jesus sent them two by two. Another one we will talk about is identifying your pillars in life. Identifying your pillars. Identify your pillars. You have to identify those who are your pillars. Some of us are running away from our pillars. Listen, there are just certain people you should never run away from. They are vital. 
Don't follow those funny quotes. You see, hey, some people come for a season, others for a season. Don't follow that. Some that season which they come for should be permanent. Because that season is an evergreen one. So be very, very deliberate about that. Identify your pillars. Identify your pillars. Be very deliberate. That one will be talked about next week. The one I want to just share today, in terms of one of the solutions, uh, next week you'll also talk about Thanksgiving and also learning how to dream again. We'll talk about it. I'm, I'm, someone may ask, why are you giving them in advance? So that you meditate on them. Identify pillars. This building is standing because of pillars. Identify pillars. They help. And of course, the biggest one is your relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Hey! What words can I use to describe the strength of a relationship with the Holy Spirit? I was talking to somebody about how I still remember the day. Because I, I, I remember the And there was something I was disturbed about. I remember asking my friends to help me pray. That was 2009. And then there is a peace I felt enter me. I've never lost it. I've never lost it. There can be something very tricky. The moment I take a moment, I can say it's there. And you know what? I just get assured that I just know everything will be okay. I just know. I pray everyone gets to experience that peace. But one of the things I really want to just mention for today, in the context of zeal for life, is I want you to learn to maximize the power of the tongue. Now, this is a series on its own. Proverbs 18, verse 21. I want you to just see something. Maximize the power of the tongue. I've talked about so many things, eh? All these things are a series. But I really just want us to get it. The Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Now it's interesting that not everyone gets to eat its fruit. There are those who've learned to love it. I'll say it again. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. It's those who love it. The Bible is very specific about those who get to eat its fruit. It's those who love it. Learn to maximize the power of the tongue. I remember I was meditating and I heard the Spirit of God just moving me towards the fact that these are some of the things that we know but we don't really practice. Personal question. When was the last time you sat down and just had a talking session? Like a talking session directing how you want your day to go, directing how you want your week to go, Directed how you want your year to go. When was the last time we just had a talking session? And if you used to have those and you're not having them anymore, there's a high chance you've been discouraged. Maybe something didn't work out. Or there's a high chance things have overworked out that you've become complacent. But when was the last time you just had a talking session where you your mind. You tell it how it's supposed to think. You talk to your body. You tell it how it's supposed to 
what condition it should be in. You talk to your heart. You tell me how it's supposed to feel. When was the last time you had a talking session? Because these are things that we do maybe at church. But do we really do it when we get back home? Do we really do it the whole week? I was, I was sharing with someone on this and the thought came to mind. You see, when a person is not well in their body, or if a person is not well in their body, and then they take some medicine and they to take it maybe three times a day. You find they don't judge the medicine. They follow the prescription to the dot. Even if their body doesn't experience an immediate change immediately. There is a discipline that they will exercise. There is a discipline they will exercise. Someone has been going for injections for two months. Exposing precious parts of themselves. Subjecting them to pain. But they do it with discipline. Because they've got confidence that that substance that's entering them is doing something to them. And so I remember talking to the person and I was thinking, I don't know, they were telling me how they were having some challenges with their body. And so the moment they felt a certain level of pain, they went and took the painkiller. And I found it interesting that for some reason, a bad experience was stimulating them to the physical, what should be the physical solution. But then on the other hand, why do we allow bad experiences to draw us away from our solution? You find you stop talking because some things were not working. Isn't that when you should talk more? Isn't that when you should even be more disciplined? Like, Train your tongue. The Bible tells us in James that the tongue, although being small, it can steer the whole ship. Listen, to do a 360, or is it a 180? To do a 180 turn around, you may have to apply a bit more discipline. You may have to apply a bit more consistency. But learn to maximize this talking. And that's why you shouldn't say certain things. You shouldn't say certain things. As a matter of fact, one of the reasons why believers should attend funerals is to cancel what those other people are saying. Imagine, someone just drops from nowhere, comes, puts their arms around the person, and starts, What? Who gave you the boldness to say that? You guys know what I'm talking about. You'll be seated there. If you see that, I reject. I don't know if you're getting my point. Learn to. People planting. How do you do that to a person? And notice, what does the Bible tell us about Satan with Jesus? It says he was waiting for an opportune time. They know that that's the moment. Like some, Satan is using them unconsciously. Because he knows that that's the moment when a person's defense are, is at their weakest. It's at that point what they pillars. 
Not just people who will say my condolences. Uh-uh. People who get on their knees when no one is watching. The person may not even need to know you are praying for them. And just say, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. When in person or not, that's one of the things I've learned to practice. Most people don't even know I've done that over their lives. I just refuse any negative word that, was, that has been uttered. I refuse it in Jesus' name. Learn to speak over everything concerning your life. It is true. It is true. That it's not all the time if a person has a new job or maybe a person is about to get married that everyone is out there saying it will work. Others are saying, it is our one. And I'll tell you something. Words have power. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. But let me show you something interesting from Romans chapter 12. Then I'll show you one more verse. Go to Romans chapter number 12. Would you believe me if I told you that I still feel like I only preach five to ten percent of everything I want to say. That's why we need the cell groups. Because in the cell groups, the topics can be further expanded. Those with questions, the questions can be answered. There's only so much we can say. Almost every point I've given today is a series. It's a series. Now, honestly, don't you agree that every point I've given is a series? And perhaps next year we can do a long series on maximizing this one. Romans chapter 12. This should come for true. Romans chapter 12. I want you to see verse... 21. There is a principle we learn here. Do not be overcome evil, but overcome evil with good. What I wanted you to understand is good overcomes evil. In short, for us, it's even beyond positive and negative. It's faith. You know what I'm talking about? The word of God overcomes any negative word. That's why you may have struggled with negative confessions. Today, one minute of talking the word of God destroy all those negative confessions, even the ones you've made. Because the word of God is living and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword. The word of God is like a hammer. The word of God is like fire. Haven't you noticed? Don't you find it interesting that Peter denied Jesus three times, right? And then, do you see what Jesus does with him? Jesus makes him confess three times. Do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Which one promoted Peter? (laughs) Hey! My friend, you can redirect. You have to learn to maximize the power of the tongue. Now, someone may be saying, Apostle, what if I've had a challenge? What if I feel like I've done it before? I've been there, done that. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. The Bible says, 
Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. What does it do? Verse 14. I press on. I press towards the goal for the upward prize of the upward call of God in So, you may have had some experiences where you feel, but I've been doing this and I haven't seen the result I expected. Forgetting those which are behind me. Even where I've seen it work, it's not yet at the level which it can be at. There's still greater I can do. So what should I do? I forget all those things which are behind me. And then I press on. And one of the reasons God has brought this series is because he wants you to have that childlike faith again. He wants you to believe again. For those who've already been believing, he wants you to grow exponentially. Praise God. So learn to maximize. Talk to your mind. Talk to your heart. That a man who was not yet born again. In Psalm 43, verse 5, this man was not yet born again. Because of uh, being born again, said in the New Testament. But look at this. In some, he, he actually talked to himself. He said, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. He instructed it. He said, hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. The help of my countenance and my God. Have you noticed David would do that? He talks to himself and says, hey, why are you cast down? At Bwanji, can you hope in God? I don't think getting my point. Manage how you talk. I think I was going through the podcast for this year. And I noticed we did a lot on righteousness. I think next year we might take some time to go through. Again, you understand why you have to be very deliberate with your words. Very deliberate. For example, even in previous times, if I ever had a challenge with my body, I would rather say my body is experiencing this and say I am. I'm just too big. The trouble is this. No, it, it, it starts with where you see yourself. The day you realize you're a spirit and the authority you have to make things permanent, you will separate yourself sometimes from your body and then command it. Hey, there are just some things I can't call myself. Maybe next, maybe next year we can get radical with it. No. Not after what I read. I think, Tim, remind me. Maybe this can be the first series of next year. We go in detail and we show from the scripture how you should learn how to talk. Because we serve a talking God. Can you imagine how your life would be if you started saying the things Jesus said about you? When was the last time you ever sat down and said, I am the light of the world? Or do you feel it's, that title is too heavy for you? 
Wait. Not Jesus call us the light of the world. He called himself the light of the world. And later on he called us the light of the world. Did he not call you that? When was the last time you said, I am a God? Or does it feel too heavy for you? But does it not say in the Psalms, I have said, ye are gods, ye are sons of the Most High. And didn't Jesus refer to the same portion of scripture when they were questioning the miracles? I said earlier this year that one of the biggest troubles I have is that people find it so easy to acquaint with the first Adam. It's so easy for everyone to say, I'm a sinner. And if you ask them, why are you a sinner? Is it because of something you did? They'll tell you, no, I was born that way. I got it from Adam. But on the other hand, they've been born again of the order of the second Adam. Why is it so difficult to say I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? And they say, did you do anything for it? No, I got it from Adam. Which Adam? The second one. People find it so easy to associate with everything of the first Adamic nature. It is a place we're going to get to. And I say these things not to blame anyone or to make anyone feel bad. I say these things because one of my roles is to steer you up to the higher level. You may be in this place and you've experienced brokenness. You've experienced all those things. My friend, that which is in you can't break. That which is in you just, just hold it a bit. You can keep playing it, but just a bit lower. That which is in you. No. That heart which God gave you can't break. There is no boy. <laughs> no, who's got the power to break it? Maybe they can injure you, they can hurt your feelings, but they can't break that heart. That heart. I'm going to come to a place where when we come and say, how many are whole? Everyone stands up. Says, ah, I'm whole. As in, it shouldn't be known that we always associate with the negative things. We always associate with the broken hearts. What happened to the thoughts? He doesn't, yes, he's close to the brokenhearted. But the good thing is, he doesn't leave us in that position. He does something. There's also a certain level of wealth we're believing for. Because Jesus is coming soon. So we want to build fast. I'm serious. We want to build fast. <laughs> we can't enter heaven in a rented building. We want, we want to build fast. <sighs> I'm telling you the place I really want us to go to. But for us to get to that place, I need you to be consistent. Hey, talk it. Talk it. It's, it's, it's a solution. We are not like the world which doesn't know its solution. We know our solution. When you're talking, you're green. You're lining. So that's what solutions. Learn to talk. And here is an aspect of faith that I, if I may end with this. You won't know it's faith 
until you can do it even when you don't feel like it. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is not a feeling. Where when everything is against you, you say, I have zeal for life. Hey, I have zeal for life. I press on to the goal. Where it feels like you've run out of options. I'm never without direction. I hear a voice behind me telling me which way to go. Hey, praise God. Maybe you experienced a loss in your business and you just go, hey, <laughs> I do not make losses. So learn to talk it. Praise God. I don't know if you have been blessed. Okay, I'm going to continue for you. You look like you really enjoy my sermons, eh? They bless you. Is there anyone here? You can close your eyes. Don't worry. I'm just taking a walk. I'm one of those pastors. I want to see who's sleeping. <laughs> I want you to close your eyes. Is there anyone here who's saying, Pastor, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to be born again. I want to change the trajectory of my life by giving it to Jesus. How you know if you're born again? You know it. You know it because the Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit. And if you're not born again, you know it as well. Because you don't have an assurance that if Jesus came, you'd make it to heaven. God wants to change that today. And it starts with a very simple decision. So if you'd like to give your life to Christ this moment, and if you're not sure of your salvation, include yourself here. It's better to make your election sure. So if you want to give your life to Christ, I want to give you this invitation. Just raise your hands. I see that hand. I see that one. I see that one. Is there anybody else? Just raise it. Raise it. Raise it. I see it. Maybe you're one of uh, uh, those who've raised their hands. You can stand, please. Just stand. Maybe you're one of those people who it's like you've fallen off. You've backslidden. And you need the Lord God to restore you. If you're one of those people as well, come to, come to the altar. So those who've raised their hands, for any of those categories I want you to stand and just come to the altar team please direct them just come to the altar I want you to lift your hands lift your hands say after me say Lord Jesus I believe you are the son of God I believe you came in the flesh you died you are buried and you are again in my life I'm born again in Jesus name keep your hands in the name of Jesus receive the Holy Spirit receive the Holy Spirit Kim you know what to do a very few minutes. You're blessed. Tim, please get their names. Everyone just give them a hand.
May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. You can reach the City of the Lord Church on 0777-930882. If you are unable to call, you can email us on thecityofthelordzambia at gmail.com or reach us on Facebook at the City of the Lord Church. Stay blessed.